Welcome back in, everybody, to the Phantom Football Podcast. I am Ben Parker, joined by Simon Short and Ronan Summers. It is so good to have everybody listening once again, wherever you're listening from. We really appreciate it. Uh, we just uh, had another pretty uh, interesting, exciting game between the Cowboys and the 49ers. We're going to talk about all the games this weekend. It will be the main focus of our podcast, and we'll talk a little bit about next week's game as well. Looking forward to uh, the heavy hitters uh, lining up next week and taking some major body blows at each other. Uh, but uh, Simon, let's start it off with you this week. Uh, 49ers and Cowboys, walk us through what we just saw. Yeah, this was a very defensive-oriented game, obviously with a final score of 19-12, that first half in particular. Um, even though it was the higher scoring, felt like the teams just weren't, like they were They were really mono and mono. They were really like matching everything blow for blow. Um Brock Purdy in this one was, you know, once again, just like made enough plays to get things done, was able to felt as, you know, the game kind of went in the 49ers direction, um, was able to just find his, his receivers for those yak opportunities, that big George Kittle play over the middle where he kind of bobbled, caught it with his face mask, um, just able to make just enough plays. And, and, you know, then you look at the other side and Dak Prescott, we've been talking about it for weeks the interception problem that the Cowboys have had. And, you know, he had two picks in this one today, 23 to 37 for 206 in this one. Um, at, at some moments, he looked great, you know, especially early on. We saw um, C.D. Lamb go off for a good game, 10 receptions, 117 yards. Uh, but those, those two picks, man, and in the playoffs, you just can't have turnovers. And, and blame Dak, don't blame Dak, whatever you want to do. I mean, that first one, Looked like miscommunication on the route. Michael Gallup just kind of ran a hook and sat there at, at the first down marker. Um, Dak seemed to think he was going to do a comeback route and come back to it. And so, you know, place your blame wherever you want there. But that second throw just and, – and then multiple after just more and more instances of him trying to squeeze passes into tight windows and make throws that aren't there. So um, that'll be a big conversation coming out of this one. It has been all year. I think you can really say that Dak had a bad game in this game and, and you wouldn't be wrong. Um, but I think at the end of it, you know, we kind of saw a lot of what we expected in this one, a lot of good defense 49s were able to run the ball. Uh, they had 113 yards, but they, they were just successful in the run game when they needed to. And I think that was, uh, the big difference for them helping out Brock Purdy against the Cowboys. Yeah, Simon and Ron, I'm going to get jump on you in just a second here with all kinds of questions, especially on the Cowboys end moving forward. But, Simon, I want to jump on what you just said because I agree with it. Um, while I did expect the 49ers to score a little bit more, I didn't really expect this total defensive, you know, throughout the game. We did see what we expected on when the Cowboys had the football. Um, we said, hey, they're going to have to hit C.D. Lamb over the top. They did that once for 46 yards. Lamb has 117 out of the 206 yards passing on the day. Um, so that was most of the offense. Once again, we have another team that can't run the football against the 49ers. And those 49ers defenses take away all the underneath routes. So it kind of one-dimensionalizes this Cowboys offense. And then, oh, by the way, yeah, you got the Prescott interception thing that keeps popping up, right? So we, we saw a lot of what we expected here on that side of the game. Yeah, the and, and the rushing attack for Dallas, I mean, it wasn't going well anyways, but Tony Pollard getting hurt and, and leaving that one in the middle of the game uh, really just did not help matters. And yeah, I mean, C.D. Lamp, the, the idea of can these can one of these wide receivers just create enough space? We've seen that's the only way to really beat this 49ers defense. And he did that, and, and you could say well on their way to kind of making being the kryptonite for the 49ers and, and leading to a, a loss for them. But those two turnovers, you know, you just kind of shoot yourself in the foot, go backwards with that one. Even if one of those, you know, doesn't happen, I'm going to go back through. I believe the first one, uh, a field goal was the was the next drive for the 49ers on that one. And then let's see, where was the other one? Oh, another field goal. So six points. I mean, you know, that's still obviously 13-12, but you're losing two scoring opportunities yourself. So you just, you can't have turnovers. They were on their way. They, we, we're continuing to see. This is how you beat the 49ers. Can you have a number one wide receiver go off, get separation, make big plays? Um, and, you know, moving forward for them, going against the Eagles, which we'll talk about, that that looks like it could be a good matchup still for Philadelphia. All right, Roland, me and Simon have hashed over a lot of this, but your first impressions fresh off of this 49ers-Cowboys game, uh, any direction you want to take it? You know, it was definitely a defensive slugfest, as uh, Simon has kind of alluded to. Um, you know, 
Dak Prescott throwing two picks, you, you can't be doing that in a, in a defensive slugfest. And uh, obviously, you know, they did have chances there at the end of the game to potentially tie it up, you know, maybe go for the win. Uh, but I, I'm curious to see it, social media's initial reaction was kind of calling for Dak's head after this game. I'm curious to see if that'll continue and whether Dallas will at least look into maybe like a Tom Brady scenario uh, because, you know, he hasn't had a whole lot of postseason success and, you know, it's not like he's a young gun. You know, I believe he's getting close to 30 and, you know, he hasn't completely struggled throughout the playoffs, but it is concerning that he's not able to get over the hump and uh, get his team to the to the NFC championship round. Yeah, we've seen it before. The Cowboys have more than one weakness. But when you're when you're looking at Prescott, and a lot of people, you know, myself not among them necessarily, but a lot of people try to push him up into that elite category. And there are weeks and months where he fits that, and then you have other weeks and months where he just doesn't. So, um, Simon, anything else to, to hit here on this particular game before we move off of it? Ronan and I were chatting about this earlier, so I want to get your guys' take. First off, that the, the play the Cowboys ran at the end of the game it was just hilarious. They go to line line up in this formation where they've got, I think, Tyler Smith and Connor McGovern out on the on the left side, on the line of scrimmage, but way out, like outside the hashes where the receivers go. And I think they had C.D. Lamb behind him. On the right side, they had Tyron Smith and Zach Martin and mirrored on the far side. I don't know if it was Michael Gallup behind him or what. And and Zeke was going to play center and snap the ball to Dak. They come, uh, the 49ers call timeout. They come back into this. They they no longer have those receivers behind the offensive linemen. It's basically Zeke at center, Dak back there, and then everyone else is just lined up across the line of scrimmage, which first off, I, I don't love the look out of that. What are you going to do? I like the receivers back there because it felt like it was going to be a screen pass see if the receiver can get a running lane with those linemen in front, and then Zeke loops behind for a for a pitch, right? I was like, okay, this could be fun. Let's see what happens. So they they negate that. They get rid of that coming out of timeout. And just everything that could go wrong does. Uh, Dak throws the, goes, uh, gets the snap. Zeke immediately gets plowed over, like just on his butt, at, right after he snaps the ball. And it's like, that's what happens when you want a running back to block, uh, you know, a linebacker. Um, so he's out of the play, right? He's just done. Uh, Dak throws the ball to a guy just like going into the middle of the field with nobody by, I don't even know who ended up catching it immediately gets tackled. Just like the looked like the worst play you could ever see. So I need to know what we think right now here in the moment. Is this play to end the Cowboys season worse than last year's Dak Prescott, uh, QB draw running out the clock? Um, and and I and no no meeting in the middle. I I need a yes or no answer. Ben's shaking his head because he knows that's about him. Uh, let's yeah, see. Let's go to Ben me. first. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you got, right. Ben? You got to pick one. Which is worse? For me, the answer is no. Last year was worse. I I actually like the creativity of the play. I think NFL teams should do more of this junk just to confuse things. But the result was awful, and this was the wrong time to pull it out. I mean. Do that some other time, okay? Not here where you need something to happen against the defense that's pretty good. This is not the time for it because you mentioned it, the, the, the execution was terrible. So, no, last year's for me was a lot worse. The, the, it, it, you know, at last year's the way it just played out. There was so much writing on that one play at that one time in a game where they really had a chance. So, this game kind of felt like, man, they're getting choked out no matter what they do. Um, so, I thought last year's was worse, quite honestly. Ronan, what did you think of the last play? And you also had some notes about the the like clock management. So how how do you think the whole last thirty to sixty seconds of the game played out for Dallas? Yeah, I'd have to agree with Ben. I'd say last year's uh, last play of the game uh, was definitely worse, just because it it was based around a complete lack of awareness, really. Uh, with time yeah. expiring, you can't stop the clock uh, with a timeout, and you go with a QB sneak up the middle. And slide with I forget how much time exactly was left, but you know not enough time to get the spike off. Uh, in terms of the clock management today or tonight, uh, it, it 
I don't think it's like a fireable offense by any means uh, because uh, they were just the special teams unit was standing out there uh, for a good five or six seconds before the ball was snapped. So I don't know if that was a referee thing. I, I'm not a hundred percent sure on what was going on there, but you know, it would, it would have been nice for Dallas uh, if they were to have you know gotten that pun off and then maybe be able to burn those timeouts before the two minute warning opposed to uh, afterwards, because, you know, San Fran got that, I believe it was a pass play uh, right at the two minute warning uh, first down, they had good field position and that, that kind of messed with the momentum of things as well. Ronan, I'm going to keep it here with you, if you will. Um, question about the Cowboys moving forward. They had a chance this year to win a Super Bowl. We all kind of gave them half a chance here as we got right close to the playoffs because the defense at times could just be astoundingly good. And, and then the offense at times could be very fluid and then choky at others. How close in the offseason here, you know, we haven't done our analysis and we will, but if you're a Cowboys fan, do you still feel like you're close heading into next year? Or with Prescott's salary continuing to be a little bit larger next year, do you feel like, nah, that might have been our best shot again for a while? You know, I, I don't want to be the the bearer of bad news or Debbie Downer, but I would say that this year was probably Dallas's best shot uh, just because they've got Tony Pollard going uh, into this offseason as a restricted free agent or unrestricted free agent. Uh, you know, as you said, Dak's contract is going to continue to grow. They've still got Zeke locked up on that huge monster deal for a running back. Uh, so their financials, uh, they aren't doing them any favors. Uh, so unless they do a little bit of cap moves, I have a hard time seeing them being able to, you know, make the necessary additions to their roster uh, in next offseason. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for the opinions. Because, again, we haven't deep dived into any of this. We're going to spend the next four months for our listening audience, deep diving into all of the off-season stuff, hardcore. But uh, just, just a quick glimpse there. Simon, one question for you. You're kind of our assistant coaches expert on, on this podcast. Mike McCarthy looks to be safe. Again, with Jones, you never know, but he looks to be safe. But those two assistants are, are very well regarded. Uh, how do you feel about them both continuing to be on the Cowboys team next year? Well, I'd be a little nervous if I'm a Cowboys fan about the brain trust. Now, maybe in this moment, you're, you're wanting to fire everybody. So maybe you don't care, but I think Dan Quinn could still, is still going to be a hot name for a head coaching job. Um, he actually had a really good game. You mentioned, we thought the 49ers were going to score more 19 points. And, and for a lot, again, six of them off of turnovers. If you can hold this 49ers offense to less than two touchdowns of pure offensive plays on their own merit, on their own drives, um that's still really really impressive they had a great game plan they got after Brock Purdy in this one um that there were some things I didn't like you know especially late in the game um uh, but you know he's still going to be a hot name so you're you're wondering if he's going to be gone because he's going to get hired away Kellen Moore man I don't know this was kind of two rough end ends of the seasons ends of playoff runs for him um I had a list up let me see how many uh interviews he's actually had he's only had the one interview request and that was with the panthers who have requested to interview basically the three of us at this point they have everybody on their list um so you're almost wondering man are could you be on your way out because some you you would think something has to happen right and, and maybe the easy thing would be if if more got hired away and then you could have some new blood in there but Again, it was such a good season for them when you go back and look at the numbers, but just leaves sour taste in your mouth, putting up 12 points in, in a playoff game um, where the offense, you know, you couldn't, you, you knew you were playing this great run defense. You couldn't figure out a run game. Dak continued to turn the ball over. Why are there so many tight windows? Why can't he find the right spaces? And it's easier to change coaches than, than quarterbacks, especially assistant coaches. So uh, that that would be something I'd be interested in monitoring how the fans and, and how the franchise feels about Kellen Moore moving forward. All right, and I'll throw my own two cents in here before we talk about the next game. But I think the Cowboys are pretty good next year. I don't think they're going to be quite as good as they were this year. It does feel like to me this was the best shot they've had in a while, all things considered. But we'll, we'll apply more to that as the offseason goes along. Uh, the Chiefs and the Jaguars, uh, really not a surprise here on the winter. Um, not the most interesting game necessarily, other than the Mahomes injury, but the Jaguars did at least 
they gave themselves a chance against the team that really has been the most consistent all year. Ronan, I'll give you first dibs on it. Chiefs over the Jaguars, 27 to 20. Yeah, well, look, first and foremost, let's talk about that Mahomes injury. Uh, you know, he, he was putting together a masterclass game and then he got injured. And uh, it just kind of added on to the uh, almost storybook, you know, uh, postseason quarterback saga, you know, that we get every once in a while as NFL fans. Uh, you know, it, it's going to be very interesting how Mahomes, how that leg is next week against Cincy, because th that's going to be a tough matchup. Um, Mahomes, 22 for 30, 195 yards, two touchdowns. Isaiah Pacheco, he had himself a very good game. 12 carries, 95 yards. He didn't score. Uh, but the, the Mahomes injury, it, it's going to limit his mobility, yet he was still making left foot jump passes. So who knows how much that's really going to hinder anything. Maybe it just levels the playing field, makes it a little bit fair for the defenses. Uh, but Simon, what were your thoughts on that game? You know, even once Mahomes came back in, it felt like, okay, if they couldn't like really make headway with him out and he's he's still out here, it it never really felt like it, it was – going to go Jacksonville's way, which is crazy to say because this did end up just being a one-score game. Um, but just like with Dallas, we were waiting for those mistakes to happen, right? And it happened, you know, Jacksonville had two opportunities to try and tie that one at the end of the fourth quarter, two turnovers, and again, that's just the name of the game. But even when they did score in the fourth quarter, uh, let me get the timing pulled back up here. Uh, they scored a touchdown with, uh, 11.49 to go in the fourth quarter. And it was a seven-play, 75-yard drive. Uh, and, you know, the, that was like they finally got back in it. It had been two-possession game at that point. They were down 17-20. They are like, all right, we have the whole fourth quarter. We've been holding this team really well. You know, the, the Chiefs had two punts and a field goal to that point in the second half post the Mahomes injury. You're feeling really good about yourself. And, and then 10 plays, 75 yards, five-minute drive for the Chiefs. They score another touchdown. That was kind of when it was like – Okay, man, if you can't do it at this point, you know, that's probably going to be it. They drive down, fumble, uh, Chiefs punt, interception, Chiefs punt. Uh, then you can only get a field goal out of it at the end. So um, I'll say this for the Jags, for this game and for the season, there's so much good stuff happening here. You got to feel really, really good about about really everything that's going on. You, you think a few key pieces. Um and it would make a, a lot of difference, you know, for all the positive things you can say about a guy like Jamal Agnew, for that to be the guy you're going to in the red zone when you're trying to tie up the Chiefs in the fourth quarter, replace that with a guy like Calvin Ridley potentially next year. Um, this could be a, a very scary team uh, next year for sure. But uh, for them to get to where they are for turning around after last year, you know, it, it really does feel great, but it does feel like the right team is moving on, even within the context, context of that game on Saturday, even with the Mahomes injury. I want to ask both of y'all, because th this game to me didn't have as many interesting things coming out of it, quite honestly. Uh, we It kind of went the way we all kind of sort of thought, but other than the Mahomes injury. Um, I want to ask both of you, I'll start with Ronan. Um, the Jaguars next year, and again, we'll probably change our opinions 13 times as we move through the offseason because so many things are happening, right? But at a glance, where would you slot this team, Jacksonville, in the AFC next year? Um, basically, in the playoffs, but losing again, do you think they're a legit Super Bowl team, or do you think they really should be one of the favorites for the Super Bowl next year? Where do you bucket them? You know, I, I don't know their cap situation off the top of my head, but I feel like if they're able to make a few, you know, just even little pieces to kind of clean up things uh, on their roster, uh, I, I I could see them as a, as a legitimate threat to a Super Bowl. Um, now, as far as right now, they're just their roster going into next year. Uh, I would say that they're a fringe playoff team. I mean, they're in the AFC South. So, you know, Houston doesn't really seem like they're going to be making the playoffs anytime soon. Uh, the Titans, they're kind of a question mark at the moment. The Colts, they still need a quarterback. So, uh, yeah, I, honestly, I think it's the Jaguars division to lose right now. 
which gives them a shot at the playoffs. Yeah, I tend to agree. I see them taking a step forward, probably not backward, barring injuries, right, which can be anybody. Um, but, Simon, I'll let you have the last word on this one. This is a team that all the way back in the preseason you had your eye on, maybe not quite getting this far, but still you, you had higher hopes on them, not, not in 23, but this year to do something, and they did. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is the case. This is why it's so important to find a franchise quarterback because it really is about the margins. I had this team, essentially where I expected this team and the way things played out was they would have lost the week 18 game to the Titans, get eliminated right at the end. And, and you know, hey, great season, eight, nine, go get a, you know, draft pick in the teens and, and move on. And just that little bit of a difference when you have a franchise quarterback going against Josh Dobbs of the Tennessee Titans at that time makes a difference. And then once you're in the playoffs, man, you know, anything can happen and, and anything did happen for them against the Chargers. Um, for this team next year, this is your AFC South champion. Uh, I, I think we can already pretty much bookmark that. The Titans are obviously going to have um, some interesting decisions to make over the offseason. Uh, the Houston Texans, they are, uh, in theory, going to have a new quarterback next year. We'll see who that ends up being. If you want to hear some really cool and fun ideas, make sure you listen to the Simon Short Podcast, where me and Ronan talked about that uh, from last week. Um, but but the Jags are going to be able to do some things in cap space. Uh, and, you know, they're, they're under right now by a significant amount, but they have so many young guys that they can kind of restructure and, and big contracts that they can move some things around. They'll be able to do some stuff, but again, it's going to be about it. Can Calvin Ridley get reinstated for next year? And if you add Calvin Ridley to this offense, um, you're already feeling great. You've got your draft pick. Go get go get a, a corner. I think they have some coverage issues. Go get a defensive back in the first round. And again, they have the most important thing locked up. They've got the quarterback. They've got the head coach. They have some skill guys around. They have a decent offensive line. Um this team is going to be right there. And if this is a playoff matchup with uh, any of these teams in the AFC, you have the quarterback to go toe-to-toe with them. So you're feeling pretty good as a Jaguars fan right now. I want to ask you one more question here because I think it's fascinating to compare some of these guys. Trevor Lawrence versus Josh Allen. Moving forward over, say, the next five years, not just next year, but the next five years. So that puts you basically Lawrence at uh, two years on a rookie deal maybe a third one, and then uh, two years where he's making a lot of money. And then Josh Allen, of course, making a lot, will be making a lot of money almost every one of those five years, just about. Um, but moving forward, if, if the rosters and coaches were all the same, who would you rather have? Ronan, you first. You know, it, it's easy to say – well, it's easy to stray away from Josh Allen right now. But, uh, I mean, he's, a, he's an alien. You know, there's a reason why we go into the – at this point, we're going into every – every season thinking that he's got at least a shot at MVP, right? He, he's got the, the athleticism to jump over dudes, to run around dudes, and then he's got the arm strength to throw it anywhere all over the field. So I personally, I'd still have to go Josh Allen. Uh, Trevor Lawrence's decision-making, it's obviously been cleaned up this year, but then we saw uh, against the Chargers in the first half, you know, that there are still things to be cleaned up. So uh, for me, Josh Allen. Uh, Simon, let me set the table a little more before I kick it to you. This is back-to-back years now where the Bills could have, should have won the whole thing, and they haven't. And we've seen, I think we've described it as a regression last week from Josh Allen without Dable. Um, You know, I guess trust factor moving forward. They're both going to put up a bunch of points and yards, but they're both struggling with some of these decisions. Yeah, I mean, they, they, yeah, they definitely are. In a vacuum, if all else is equal – I'm still going Josh Allen because you have to think of it when you say all like, okay, coach is the same players, the same. Imagine swapping the two, right? If I have Josh Allen with Doug Peterson as my head coach and play caller, and then even with the downgrade and the weapons going from Stefan Diggs to Christian Kirk, um, but I'm adding Travis Etienne, right? That, that I don't want to say Etienne plus Christian Kirk equals Stefan Diggs. Cause that's not the case, but yeah. Doug Peterson and his offense, his play calling the things that, he could add right if he had josh allen um that would be pretty incredible and then you put trevor lawrence in that game today with with what the bills did and we'll we'll talk about it but you know i i think i'm still leaning advantage allen but but lawrence is now it's now warranted to have that conversation at least right and i think that's the big thing 
when you're Jacksonville and you're really looking at this, um, he's right. He's up there with all those guys now. And, and, you know, you might not put him over the Burrow, Allen or Mahomes, the guys that have won in the playoffs consistently for a few years now, but he, he, you don't mention him far behind those guys. And that's, that's the big thing. That's the exciting thing. One more thing I want to say about the chiefs real quick. That was really impressive in this one. Um, their defense was all over the place and that's going to be huge next week. Um, the, the Jaguars, they did the thing we've been talking about for a few weeks where they were hitting things quick into the outside a lot. The chiefs linebackers and, and even the linemen were all over the place. And this one, Frank Clark had some of the most athletic plays that I've seen in the playoffs so far this year. He had one of those like Zay Jones type, like levitating off the ground. He like left his feet for a tackle and then like. I forget if he did the like off his back Power Ranger like kickstand thing or if he did it from a push-up position. Either way, man, those guys were just all over the place. So I, I do we we talked a lot about Mahomes and the offense, rightfully so, but um that Chiefs defense in this one also looked really, really good. Very worthy of credit. And um for my money, I'll take Josh Allen for I would take Josh Allen straight up, but finance is considered. I think I might rather have Lawrence over the next five years just because I get the such a huge cap break for more of those seasons. And that brings us, of course, to the Bills and the Bengals. The Bengals pull off a, a surprisingly easy win, I'll say. Uh, maybe not easy, but surprisingly uh, easy win in the snow. Uh, Simon, I'll kick it off to you. Bengals win 27-10. to 10. Yeah, this was, uh, this was such a weird game. It was really pretty blah from the start. Um, and there's... There's so many reasons that could go into that, Ben. You had mentioned, and you'll talk about it more, but you know the snow seemed to be a factor, and they kept talking about that on, on the broadcast, so you don't know if maybe the players or coaches were expressing some kind of concern about that when they were talking to the to the broadcast crew before the game. But it also, even before I thought about the snow, it felt like they watched their film last week against the Dolphins, and they are like, you know what? We took too many deep shots. We, we relied on the big plays too much. Let's just completely neuter the offense and nickel and dime our way down the field, but every drive and never go for any big plays again. Um, and, and then also obviously the factor of the Bengals are just straight up a good defense and, and they were getting that three man rush really, really well. Um, and their, their back line was covering well, their linebackers were running all over the place as they always do. Um, so however you want to like split the blame pie or whatever between the snow or just uh, adjustments, Bill's Twitter seemed like they were saying that this team always gets conservative this late into the playoffs. Um, Stefan Diggs had the the moment that was reported about leaving the locker room before the coaches even got in and then someone had to bring him back. And then he still left before like anybody else. Like he left shortly after McDermott spoke. Um, so clearly he could be feeling some frustration uh, let me pull up what he did today. Uh, four catches for 35 yards. Uh, 16 was his longest catch, 10 targets, uh, which is still the most targets on the day. But they just weren't taking the deep shots that they normally do. And, and you know, for as much as they want to say, oh, you know, it was hard because, because of the snow, the Bengals were taking deep shots. The Bengals were also running the ball. The Bengals were also defending the deep shots that, they, that the Bills did take, defending the pass all over the field well despite the snow so you know it just it was really weird it, it was a really weird game josh allen 25 42 265 yards no touchdowns and an interception he had the one qb sneak for a rushing touchdown um he had the sack fumble uh from from mike hilton and just just a weird blah game i don't i don't know ronan did any any thoughts as to why you thought that the bills kind of look flat in this one you know to me uh it was since he was able to run the ball and Buffalo just simply wasn't. Um, you, you mentioned the weather whenever it's snowing or raining or it's just crappy weather out regardless, you got to be able to run the ball. And the Bills only ran for 63 yards. Josh Allen led the team with 26 yards rushing uh, on eight attempts. I mean, in the playoffs, you cannot have that. Meanwhile, Joe Mixon, 20 carries, 105 yards, one touchdown. Uh, the Bengals, in general, had 170, 172 yards on the ground as a team. So, and that that ties into the ball control, the time of possession. Bengals almost had 34 minutes of uh, ball control. Bills had 26. So, 
to me, that was kind of the the big takeaway, the the big factor in why the game went the way that it did. Because Josh Allen, he, he ended up just what, how many times did he throw it? 40, 42. Uh, for me, that that's a bit too much in a game like this where you know uh, it's going to be a shootout. Obviously, if it's going to be a shootout, you do expect your quarterback to throw a bit more. But you know, you're running back. And your two running backs in total had 11 rushes. Uh, to me, that, that's just inexcusable. I'm going to hit on something I hit on last week when we were trying to have a Josh Allen discussion, and I'll just carry it into a, a generic Bills discussion. Two consecutive years here where they, they really could have or should have won the whole thing possibly, and they just come up significantly short twice now. Um, I think the Bills in the offseason have to ask themselves, how do we get Josh Allen to look more like Josh Allen last year? But also, how do we run the ball more? And that might just be as simple as making a commitment to it. It might mean bringing in another running back. But uh, it's too easy at the end of the season for defenses to just focus on Josh Allen. If we just get pressure on Josh Allen, we not only hinder his ability to run the ball, we hinder his ability to throw deep. And that's the two things he does best. So, you know, they don't have to rush for 150 yards a game, but they need to punch back more in the running game than they did this season. It was a problem all year, snow or no snow. I thought it was going to be a problem at some point. And it definitely got them tonight combined with the snow. Simon, anything else post-mortem here on Buffalo? Yeah, and, you know, the other end of it is also on the defensive side. We did talk about, you know, this Bengals offensive line and, and all the struggles that they were going to have in this one. Also, you know, we, we talked about last week, in addition to their right guard, right tackle being out, left tackle Jonah Williams was going to be out for this game, probably out for at least one more week as well. Um, Jackson Carmen came in. And and he wasn't very good. Um, he it was. I was sitting there thinking about the game, and and this year everyone's been on Jonah Williams for he's had a lot of penalties in in this season compared to the last two seasons, and so they've been they've been saying, oh well, you know, it might not be as big a drop off as it might have been in the past because Jonah Williams hasn't been playing that well. Well, Jackson Carmen didn't get penalties in this game, but it was because he couldn't get his hands on anybody. People were just blowing by him left and right. Um, he was missing blocks. He was just getting beat off the line of scrimmage, but it really didn't matter. Uh, the Bengals, you know, you you said it, Ronan, were able to run the ball. I think he did all right in the run game, but for the most part, they were able to run the ball right up the middle. Um, I was really, I was really impressed with him on that opening drive, and, and that was kind of when I got the sense of, okay, this offensive line issue might not matter because it was six plays and it was all quick, but it wasn't short either, right? Jamar Chase T Higgins were getting plays down the field quick Earl was not hanging on to the ball he was not trying to move around extend the play he said you know I had this bad offensive line last year I could do it again I just need to get rid of the ball more quickly than I had been at other parts of the season and once they did that and showed that they were still able to pass the ball yeah that was when those running lanes definitely opened up for him and this Bill's defense I mean we talked about their offensive struggles obviously 10 points um 27 points to give up it's not like it's a ton but the fact that you couldn't take advantage of this offensive line for the Bengals and take advantage of the fact that hey they're in the snow they're not gonna be able to cut as well let's let's make Burrow hold on to the ball a little bit um I thought their defensive backs were gonna be better in this one but they just gave up so much space to these Bengals wide receivers and the defensive line the pass rush we talked about despite the investment they've made even without Von Miller in this one um you know Gregory Rousseau AJ Epinesa uh, Ed Oliver those guys weren't able to generate really anything against this Bengals uh, offensive line. So I think they're going to have to take another hard look in the mirror when they're done looking at themselves for their offense, turn around and look at the defense and say, what did we do wrong? Is this a scheme issue, a coaching issue, a drafting issue? Um, you know, what What are we going to have to do moving forward? So I think the Bills have, have a lot to think about now that the Bengals, you know, are here to stay in terms of AFC true contenders. And then you've got the the – Jaguars, who we talked about at the top, we've got the you know Chargers, who who didn't make the playoffs this year. Uh, you know, you've got all these other teams that are not breathing down your neck. Doesn't look like it's just going to be the Allen Mahomes show in the AFC for the next decade. No, I agree, Ronan. One last thing, just as a Bills fan, you were top five offense and top five defense all year. I mean, from the very start, with the, and you well remember the matchup against the Rams. I mean, from the very start. This team was top five in both categories. Now, everybody knew they were inconsistent, but boom, I mean, statistically, 
and talents everywhere. You had some injury struggles, but so does Cincinnati, so does Baltimore. Kansas City, not, not to the degree, but everybody else has got the injuries. Chargers got the injuries. Um, so we really can't excuse that. How frustrating is it? You've got this MVP caliber quarterback here two years in a row, um, and you're done. It's very frustrating, and it makes you wonder what needs to be done to get to that you know, promised land. Um, the addition of Von Miller, I think, was a really great addition, and he he was playing very well at the beginning of the season, and, and he almost doubled as a player coach, uh, and especially after he got injured, he kind of set aside the player and just became a coach. Uh, but if he had stayed healthy, I wonder how this season would have looked. Uh, I, I wonder if you know maybe his veteran presence would have uh, helped out against the, the banged up Cincinnati offensive line. Uh, but you, you've got to be extremely frustrated if you're a Bills fan. You know, going into basically the past two seasons with a lot of hope just for it to you know get, kind of get squandered at the end of the season uh, later than you, or earlier than you expected it to. Yeah, I've got to be disappointed in all things considered. All right, uh, Simon, anything else on this this game, these teams, before we move on? No, I think I'm all set. All right, let's do the Eagles and the Giants side. Some of us were thinking, I was thinking, Eagles not going to be completely healthy. Brian Dayball can keep this game close. Turns out the Eagles are basically perfectly healthy. <laughs> and even for all of Dayball's acumen, I mean, the Giants are just outclassed almost across the board here. So uh, Eagles win 38-7. Simon, any analytics or thoughts on this one? Um, my analytics, the giants didn't score enough touchdowns. Um, you heard it here first folks. That's, that's what, that's what I got for you. Um, something I did find inner, I mean, this game just from a talent standpoint, completely outmatched, um, the things that the giants really have chinks in the armor in are the exact things that the Eagles can really take advantage of. They can get the big plays in the pass game against you know, the Giants corners, which have overperformed, I would say, but uh, in a one-on-one matchup against A.J. Brown, right? Not giving up deep passes to Devonta Smith. Those guys were not going to win. Um, the Eagles run game can just like spam runs up the middle on this Giants team. And even though the Giants front four is really good, their linebackers are really, really bad. And because the Eagles offensive line is really good, if they neutralize that defensive line, then it's those linebackers are kind of like free meat, right? And and they just got eaten up for sure. Um, the Giants' possessions in the first half, turnover on downs, interception, punt, punt, punt. Um, I did find it really interesting. Here's the one analytical thing I guess you could say that was interesting. Down 7-0, still the first quarter. Uh, they have an eight-play, 28-yard drive. Eat up four and a half minutes a clock. That's good, right? You want to eat up some time against this Eagles offense, try to keep them off the field. They decide to go for it on, on fourth and eight from the Philadelphia 40. You're thinking, okay, they, they feel like they're at this big of a disadvantage. They got to go for it right now. Um, and, and they obviously don't get it, give up a touchdown. But then later in the game, you know, it's, it's fourth and six from their 42. So you're talking an 18-yard field position difference. But at this point, you're down 28-7 in the fourth quarter. They don't go for it. Um, you, you know, not that either one of those plays were going to make the difference in the game, but it it does just kind of speak to, I don't really know what the goal was. I, I don't know if this was maybe just an issue of, you know, they thought that that first drive was like the game, basically. And it's either we either got to keep up with this thing or it's it's all going down, you know, in, in a blaze of glory right from the beginning. Um, so I, I thought that was a little interesting, but I think just from talent perspective, the, this was the end of the line for the Giants. I, I just don't think they had enough to compete with Philly, even if Philly had been a little banged up. But those guys look pretty healthy. Lane Johnson was moving people and, and running around doing stuff, and Jalen Hurts he he picked he picked his spots uh, on when to take hits, which was good to see. But on that on that first drive, um, he had a deep ball to I think it was AJ Brown. Oh no, it was Devonta Smith in, in the in, on the first drive, and then on the second drive. He lowered his shoulder uh, into somebody on on a run in the down near the goal line. So he he's healthy. He's going to be good to go. I, I think this can be a great matchup next week. Simon, I'll stay with you for just a second. I you, you both know how much I love Brian Dable based on what he's done with this year with that ragtag of a roster. Ain't no offense intended, but it's just the way it is. 
And yet this was the first time that I really seriously questioned something he did. I didn't mind going for it in the first half. If you want to be aggressive, you feel like you've got to, who, who cares? Early in the fourth quarter, I think there's only 12 minutes left in the game-ish, and they decide not to go forward on fourth and six. I I didn't get it at all. You're down 28 to seven. What do you have to lose, you know? But by kicking it away, you know the Eagles at minimum are going to run off about three minutes, uh, and, and you're just going to run out of time even if you can move the football, which they couldn't. I, I didn't get that one, Simon, but you brought it up, so I, I agree with you on that one. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was super weird, and and you know they had gotten a couple first downs on that drive, so there was a right. little bit of momentum going on. Um, I don't know if it was a, a thing, whether it's in the general analytics or at least the the scenarios the Giants were running, but may, maybe in their head, hey, if we go down by any more than the the three touchdowns, we're already down. You know, our win probability goes to zero from fifteen percent if we can get it to under three possessions here. I don't. I'm sure there's something in the math along those lines, but spiritually, from from that standpoint, it, it did seem off to me as well. And it would have if they just if if they had gone for it, lost it, the uh, the Eagles score a touchdown, it's game over. I mean, completely. Right. But at that point, to me, I think you have no choice. I time just do the math on the time i think you're already running out of time so it's not like the eagles going to turn the ball over if you punt it and uh, you know down there so i i didn't get it but rolling thoughts on this game in general yeah philly's ability to run the ball uh all over the field on a defensive front that i at least viewed as pretty solid you know i was expecting the front seven to be able to at least relatively hold themselves but man uh, they gave up 268 yards on the ground Gainwell had 112 and a touchdown Sanders had 90 uh, Hertz had 34 and a touchdown Boston Scott the giant killer had 32 yards and a touchdown uh, they, they just had no answer and you know looking ahead at the NFC championship the Cowboys had no 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 run game against the Niners so we're going to be seeing two heavyweights go head-to-head. I have no idea what to expect. I hate to, uh, you know, kind of shift it away from the Giants-Eagles game, but it wasn't all that. So, uh, guys, I'll go ahead and ask you, I'll give you a little uh, over-under. As a team, is Philly going to rush for over or under 150 yards against San Francisco next week? Ben, you go first. I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat and beat you by having uh looking at the numbers. I'll, excuse me, I'll take the under, but not by much. I'm I'm gonna call it maybe 125 yards. The 49ers have not let teams run the football this year. Now, statistically, the Titans by the end of the season were right there with them in yards per carry given up. But let's face it. That was really because of a couple teams the Titans played down the stretch that just weren't trying to run the football at all. The 49ers were flat out shutting teams down all year. And they are going to make it miserable on the Eagles to do it. But the Eagles have the offensive line to do it. Not just from a talent standpoint, but from a technique standpoint. The Eagles offensive line run blocking is just as efficient as anything the 49ers do on any position group. And we all admire what the 49ers do in terms of technique and just precision way up there at the top of the league, probably. But the Eagles offensive line run blocking is just as proficient. Watching these guys move around, they always hit their targets, and they don't just run around. They get to the guy. They get to the guy, and they get in the way, and they block. Uh, There's a huge difference between just being athletic and actually getting home on these guys. So they do it. I think the Eagles will be able to run the ball some, especially with Hurts. So I, I I don't think Hertz is just going to break one open for 60 or 70. So give me 125 yards rushing here for the Eagles. I'm going to go under as well. Uh, the Eagles, surprisingly, I can't believe this. I, I, why I just double checked, but the Eagles have only gone over 150 rushing yards six times this season. And that includes oh. this divisional round, um, which I would not have guessed in a million years. Uh, and the giant or the giants, the 49ers have only given up over 150 yards once. Um, so that, you know, I'm going to take the under 
the the big thing is going to be that is a great question though, Ronan. But the big thing is going to be those successful runs, those short yardage plays. The the QB sneaks to Jalen Hurts, right? Are those going to still be successful? Um, the first down runs. Can you get four yards instead of two? Can you not have any negative plays? I think Philly's going to still have successful runs, which I think is going to be the difference. And, and then again, the the receivers. Can those guys get open? Can uh, that offensive line give Hurts enough time? I don't know what the 49ers blitz rate is because their their pass rushers on their defensive line are so good. Um, I don't think Hurts and the Eagles are actually that great against the blitz, as, as good as you would think at least. Um, but if the 49ers just rush their, their four, I think this offensive line can do enough with those receivers getting open that, that the Eagles will have success. But in terms of straight up running the ball, I think the Niners are going to be able to keep the total rushing yard uh, yards low in this one. I love it. I appreciate I appreciate it, guys. Uh, one more note uh, on this Giants-Eagles game because uh, it, it was something that kind of stood out to me. Saquon Barkley only had 11 touches. Uh, you yeah. know, playoff game, you don't have any other you know, star playmakers on that offense. Uh, Simon, what are your thoughts? Uh, 11 touches. I, I don't know. I, I think he's got to get at least 15 at a bare minimum a game. Uh, you know, whether that's rushing or receiving, yeah. but you, you know, until they get a, a, another star receiver out there, I feel like you got to get them more. Yeah. And I mean, well, to that point, uh, until they get a star receiver, they need to go do that right now. Um, they need, they need to add to that receiver room right away. They can't go another year with these guys, but yeah, the, the pass game, and, and it really was about the pressure, right? Obviously, when you go down 14-0 in the first two drives, you're not going to be running the ball that much, despite the fact that uh, Barkley was running for almost seven yards a carry in this game. But to still only get him two catches uh, for 21 yards, that is the that is the issue. Now, the Eagles were pressuring the heck out of Daniel Jones this entire game. He really didn't have that much time to do anything, and, and we know he's not – much of a downfield creator, um, but still, you would expect screen plays to Barkley or line him up out wide for a bubble screen or or have him. Uh, they they run a lot of two back stuff with with Matt Breida. Ha- have them in the shotgun with Breida out there, Barkley lined up on the outside, and do do the end around stuff with him. You know whether it's the pitch forward or or the handoff backward, whatever you got to do. I I agree with you. I think that's a great point. I think that that was an issue. Um, it'll be interesting to kind of go back and see, you know, if they did try to scheme up some things that just didn't work, but he also, he only had the three targets even through the air. So I, I think for everything that this team has done, right. Uh, to, to Ben's point, they did fall short in this one, getting Barkley only two catches on three targets in those nine carries. Um, definitely an issue when, when Richie James is the only guy with more receptions than that, right? He had seven catches for 51 yards on 10 targets. Rohn's throwing his hands in the air. I think took words out of his mouth. Um, Isaiah Hodgins, who everyone was ready to crown as like an all pro wide receiver watch for next year, one catch for three yards. Um, you know, they, they just need more. They, they need more on the offensive line. They need more in the receiving game. Um, they have some playmakers and, and I still think Daniel Jones is a guy you can bring back. I'm sure Ben will get to this here in a minute, but um that, that this offense still had a cap on it, and we saw that against Philly. Yeah, Ronald, I'm with you. I, I would have gotten Saquon Barkley as many touches as I could. I mean, on, honestly, rushing or receiving, either one. He he was he's by far your most talented guy. Not your only talented guy. I've seen Hodgins some, but uh, yeah, and, and I don't know. It, this it, The Giants seem to be overwhelmed, quite honestly, uh, in a way that we hadn't seen since the last time, since the first game against the Eagles a few weeks ago. Um, so kind of simply what happened. All right, anything else before we wrap the goal in this game? No. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, since we've already uh, hit it a little bit, let's go ahead and look ahead to the Eagles versus the 49ers. Uh, the line is already out here. The, uh, the Eagles are a small favorite at home, but it's basically a pick game here. Um, Simon, I will let you hit it first. Uh, we've already touched on it some, but what's your feeling here on the Eagles and 49ers? Yeah, I've still I've still got the Eagles. I think it's going to be a good game. I'm thinking somewhere in the like 27 to 20 range. I think these defenses are are good enough. It's not gonna be a, a over 30 point kind of shootout, but I think these offenses have enough weapons and enough things they can do. 
we're getting closer and closer and I'm really not trying to hate on the guy, but we're getting closer and closer to the Brock Purdy mistake. We, we saw a few close calls on in terms of interceptable balls thrown um, pressure taken in the pocket that played to end the half, right? Where he almost didn't throw it away with enough time to get a field goal at the end. Um, and, and that was against the Cowboys defense that great pass rush, but still with its issues because of the injuries this season. Um, and I think this Eagles defense is just too complete. I know it's still bothersome that it's still so bend, don't break. Um, they can definitely give up the yards, but I think they're going to get enough pressure on Purdy. I think those defensive backs are going to be flying around, making plays. The linebackers, I think, are going to be fast enough to to kind of limit the yak opportunities in the middle of the field. Um, and I think offensively, they're, they're going to be able to run the ball enough in the short yarded situations and I think A.J. Brown or Devonta Smith are going to go off in this game. So I've got the Eagles, you know, probably covering if you're saying it's close to a pick. I don't I don't have it in front of me here, but I have the Eagles probably covering probably going to be a close game. Both teams in the 20s is what I would expect. All right, Roland. You know, I, I'm very similarly to uh, Simon. I'm going to take the Eagles in a uh, relatively low scoring game. I, I'd say. I'm gonna say Eagles twenty-four to seventeen. Um, yeah, I don't think that Brock Purdy has seen a secondary like this yet. Uh, I don't necessarily know if there's a secondary like this, uh, at, at least left, uh, definitely not left in the league or in the playoffs. Uh, but yeah, it, it's gonna come down to who's able to move the ball on the ground. Uh, that, that that's kind of how this playoffs have been uh, in every game other than a game where Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback. So I, I it's going to be a shootout. My, honestly, my gut almost wants to go with the 49ers here, uh, but the Rams fan in me wants to say forget that. So I'm going to go with the Eagles here. Yeah, I get it. There's a you got a, an angel and a demon on your shoulder, don't you, man? <laughs> I sure do, unfortunately. You know, and, and yeah, I love the underdog stories. I love them. You know, uh, but man, I, I would love to see the 49ers get sent packing. As with most game football football games anyway, there's so many factors going on here. The two that are most concerning to me, if I'm a 49ers fan, it is as much as I think my secondary is solid and tough and physical, I'm not sure we can handle Devontae Smith, Devonta Smith and AJ Brown, especially AJ Brown. That's the one that really, really, really worries me. All the underneath stuff that the Eagles like to do, I think we can handle that, the 49ers defense. I think we can slow down the running game enough to give us a chance to win. But is A.J. Brown just going to come in and physically push us around? And Jalen Hurts, he looked agile enough to go roll out to either side, buy some time until Brown finds his spot up against that secondary somewhere and just lofts it up to him. That's a huge concern for me if I'm a 49ers fan. Um, that's, that's a big deal. If I'm an Eagles fan, the one thing that bothers me, it's not necessarily healthy anymore. Everybody looks healthy enough to not really have a big excuse heading into next week. I mean, maybe they're not hundred percent, but most people aren't at this point in the season. Everybody looks like they're kind of ready to roll. If I'm an Eagles fan though, it is, can we stop the 49ers running game? Cause the 49ers, once they get on a roll physically, they can really dominate up the middle. And the Eagles have struggled with that this year. Um, that that has been a soft spot underneath, not only the way the defense is built, but just kind of the way they've played this year. It's soft underneath there. So those are my big concerns. At the end of the day, I think it's great, close, really tight. Give me the Eagles something like 23 to 20 um, is kind of where I come out at. Simon, I'll kick it back to you because there's so much we could talk about on this game. Yeah, the it will be really interesting in the run game because we have seen that be such a big theme throughout this whole season and these playoffs. And, and yeah, on paper, the 49ers are going to have that advantage in terms of running the ball just because their defense is so much more stout against the run, even if though they're going against the best running team in the NFL. But, um, oh, gosh, it, it's it's tough, man. It's gonna be so it's gonna be so fun. And, and at a certain point, you think go going into Philly, you know, we saw the energy in that place. We saw Sirianni doing his stare down into the camera. I just think Philly's gonna have too much going on. If if Hertz and Johnson or either one looked a little more banged up against the against that Giants team, I might feel differently. 
but this Eagles team, and I know it's the Giants and they were limited or they are limited from a talent standpoint. So I don't want to, I don't want to read too much just from this game in terms of the points they put up and the drives they put together. But in terms of the health of those guys, how fresh they looked, how amped they looked, how into the game they were throughout the whole thing. I just don't see where that real weakness is going to be because I, I also don't think the 49ers are going to run the ball, you know, to the degree that it would take for them to keep up. Right. Um, that they can have the 12 play drives where they run the ball nine times for, you know, 60 yards and one drive. And then the Eagles could, you know, go get a touchdown in two plays. And, and we saw the, the 49ers tonight against the Cowboys only put up the 19. And again, Six of those were directly after turnovers. The Eagles don't turn the ball over that much, um, especially at the beginning of the year through the majority of their their winning streak and, and even up until Hertz got uh, injured. Um, tonight they ran the ball a total of 32 times. I mean, that that's a pretty good number, but I don't know if they're going to spam the run as much as it would take. Um, and, and even then, if they did, I would trust this Philadelphia defense to kind of put something together enough to where they're not going to literally lose because they give up 200 yards on the ground. And I think that's what it would take. I think the 49ers would have to go off for that kind of game for that run game to be that significant enough of an advantage to beat the Eagles offense. Fair enough. There's some paranoia kicking in there for me. If I'm an Eagles fan, just, just because I know the potential is there, but I, I like this matchup for the Eagles, but honestly, and the Brock Purdy thing also bothers me too. I didn't touch on that Simon. You did. When you look at the teams that Purdy has played, and you look at, honestly, he, he does great with a man in his face. He's got the it factor. But when you look at the defenses he's faced and the scores that he's been aligned with, usually he's on the leading side of the scoreboard. He hasn't had to make a whole lot of plays to win games. And he's going to have to, I think, against this Eagles defense unless they go on a running tear. Um, Ronan, anything else here for this game? Uh, nothing other than I completely agree with uh, all of the statements you guys have made. It should be a slugfest. It should be a great one. Um, probably one that you should at least consider taking the under on. Yeah, I, I agree about it being a slugfest. I think both teams are Super Bowl worthy, to be honest. Neither one perfect, but both teams Super Bowl worthy. Okay, one major item left to talk about, and that is on the AFC side. The Bengals once again find themselves back here in the AFC title game, a, uh, offensive line problems notwithstanding, and they will do it against the most consistent team in football this year, and that is the Chiefs, who without Tyreek Kill, find themselves right back here again where they, they usually are. Um, slightly different cast of characters, but they're here. Ronan, I'll let you get first take on it. Yeah, so I'll go ahead and give a little bit of my prediction and uh, who I think my the X factor of this game will be. Uh, and this won't be any sort of hot take. And in my opinion, the the X factor will be the Bengals offensive line. If that Bengals offensive line can stick around and give Burrow even just a little bit of time to let his playmakers get some separation, uh, I have a hard time seeing the Chiefs defense being able to keep up, truthfully. Um, with, with the way that that Bengals offense has been firing uh, whenever they need it the most, it's going to be tough to stop. It's going to be really tough to stop. I've got the Bengals winning it 27-24, um, making the Super Bowl again. This this Chiefs defense, just to me, I'll probably end up eating my words after I go on this monologue about them. Uh, but I have a hard time seeing them keeping up with T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon, Joe Burrow. Uh, so, yeah. Give me Bengals 27-24. Simon, before you jump in on it, I'm going to give my two cents worth because I'm curious to see where you land, Simon. Roland, I half agree with you. If that offensive line can give Burrow any kind of time at all, doesn't have to be five seconds. We know he's not getting that. But any kind of time, I do think that Chiefs defense will struggle with Mixon. And I don't think they have a hope in heck of stopping uh, Chase and Higgins. I, it was a handful for them last year. We saw they could not match up. And they've lost a couple of guys in that secondary. So I agree. My my huge paranoia, paranoia concern is, and this is where I'm actually going to pick Kansas City to win, is I don't think that offensive line can hold up. I, I think Chris Jones is 
it's going to heat them up. And I think Burrow is going to make some plays, but I don't think it's going to be enough against the Kansas City team that just seems to keep scoring. So um, I, I'm halfway there. Simon, uh, mix us up here. Tell us. Yeah, something that's going to be really interesting to track and something that would, I feel we were really deprived of is seeing this Bengals offensive line in scenarios where they had to play from a behind game script a lot, right? From the jump, they had the lead. From the jump, they had created running lanes through their passing game working. If we had to see Burrow really sit back and, and be in that pocket and try and create more plays because they were down um, or because the Bills were presenting just as much firepower offensively, I, that's that's where that real test is going to come in. And I, I just pulled it so they wouldn't have been able to rely on that run game. We might have seen Burrow take a few more sacks. We might have seen some more turnover-worthy plays. Um, and, and that's kind of what I'm expecting from the Chiefs to be able to do. Um, and it's because I don't see their offense slowing down. Now the Bengals are getting a little bit of help, right? Mahomes is going to be hobbled. Um, the the further test results came back today. And yeah, it is a, it is a high ankle sprain, so it's going to hurt, hurt like heck. Um, but no like structural damage. I'm sure he won't be limping around quite as much as he was in the game on Saturday. But the Chiefs on the season have only given up more than 125 rushing yards five times and only more than 153 times. Now, one of those times was against the Bengals in week 13. Um, so that'll be kind of interesting to see. You know, that that's what I'm looking for. Can the Chiefs score enough points offensively that the Bengals can't rely on that run game, force them to pass? Because in week 13, I think they even had, I think the Bengals even had Lyle Collins still at that point. Um, so their offensive line was intact. It was late in the season. So the guys, those guys had played together for a while and they were performing well. Um, I think this Chiefs defense has quietly been better and better than expected i think they dial up the blitz a lot better than than what the bills at least did in in this game this weekend um i think chris jones yeah frank clark yeah can can make some big plays and those young defensive backs those guys have gotten you know a lot of reps this season now you could say the same against for the bills and and their dbs and what we expected uh in this one but i think they're gonna hang in there i think they're gonna hang tough enough um, we'll see what the weather conditions are like as well. That'll be interesting to see if that makes any kind of impact one way or another. But most importantly, I think this Chiefs offense isn't going to put up the kind of dud that the Bills offense did, and they're going to force Burrow to make more plays. Um, Burrow can definitely do it, but behind this offensive line, which I think from a talent standpoint is even worse than the line last year, and everyone's saying that that the advantage that the line had last year was they were at least – the same bad offensive line all season long, whereas this the line this year is just recently going through all these injuries. Um, and I think the Chiefs defense is, is a little better, at least up front, than it was last season. Chris Jones has been playing in position consistently all year. Frank Clark, I think, has had a better year than he did last season. So um, I'm really interested to see that matchup. Bengals offense or, or Chiefs offense keeping up the pace. Bengals offense having to rely on Burrow and passing the ball a little bit more. Yeah, anything could happen here. I think it's close. I think it's fun. But give me the Chiefs. Matchup-wise, Chris Jones, he can break double teams to get to the quarterback. That alone is going to be a problem for Cincinnati, even if they had all their offensive linemen. It would still be an issue. Another matchup problem to, to consider here, Frank Clark actually struggles to get the quarterback on his own. He really does. But where he especially excels at is on twists and stunts. That's where he gets most of his career sacks that and third and longs, extreme third and longs when the team has the lead. Those are the two categories. A Bengals offensive line that's got three of their regulars missing now, they're going to be more apt in communication to just straight up miss Frank Clark on these twists and stunts up the middle. It could be an issue. It's so hard to bet against either of these quarterbacks, though. Burrow and Mahomes, man, when you when their backs are against the wall, they're lethal. They're deadly. It's, it's, uh, it's remarkable. And, Roland, I'm sure that's what's fueling part of uh, part of your pick here, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, you know, obviously, I can't hate on either of you for picking Mahomes. Um, but I, I don't know. It, it just feels like Burrow's got that 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 kind of cool factor to him, where he he doesn't get his head doesn't get too big in the moment. And uh, I, I just feel like even if he does get behind 
uh, he, he's still going to be able to, uh, to to pull his team from back into contention. It would be fun to see. All right. Uh, anything else we want to cover here on this particular game, Simon? I, we would just be remiss without saying that, you know, you mentioned it uh, about the Chiefs at the top. I think, Ben, new look offense, new look roster, right? Uh, more underneath guys. They didn't spend big on Tyree Kill. They have Juju Smith-Schuster. Kadarius Tony's playing now. Um this team changed their offense because of this Bengals defense. Now, it didn't result in a win in Week 13, but they're more well-equipped for this matchup now than they were last time these two met in the postseason. So uh, it's going to be really interesting to see if that all kind of comes together in a win or if you know the Bengals continue to be their kryptonite. Should be a fun weekend. Only two games, sadly. <laughs> we're right down here to the end of the season. Uh, such a but, bummer. Uh, all right, Ronan, anything else before we kick it over to Simon for the end? No, sir. Other than I hope everybody enjoys uh, the last two games of this season before the Super Bowl. All right, Simon, end it up for us. Man, you guys just really just end on a tearjerker there. That's super depressing. Um, well, other way, otherwise, uh, something that's not depressing is all of you for listening. So thank you so much for doing that and being here with us. We appreciate it. Make sure you guys subscribe to the podcast on Apple and Spotify. Make sure you follow us on Twitter to get all the updates at Phantom Football. If you want to talk to us about anything and have any ideas, questions, um, topics you want us to cover on the pod, especially as we get to the offseason and, you know, Pro Bowl week in two weeks, we'll have to think of some stuff there. Um, make sure you email us at phantomfootballpod at gmail.com. Uh, hope you appreciated and enjoyed this uh, one day early instant reaction episode to the weekend. So just make sure you're subscribed to the pod. That way you uh, get it as soon as it comes out if we have different schedule for some things moving forward. But we'll tweet things out and keep you updated. So thank you all so much. Uh, have a great week and we'll see you next time.